0: Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Steel May Station podcast. My name is Fred Moore, and today is retired Colonel Todd Halsey, who is the Dirt Wasp podcast guy, and he's also uh, the author of a book called On Warriorship. And um, the audience, you might know him because I've reposted some of his stuff before on my Instagram, and the reason why is because of he's always talking about like basically the warrior thing that I've been talking about. And I would consider Todd to be an expert. And since he wrote this book, I'm really excited to talk about this book because it's, I think it's special. And um, let's, let's get into it. Todd, how you doing, man? Thanks for coming on the show. Hey,
1: I'm doing well, Fred. And thanks for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. How are you doing today?
0: I'm great, man. I'm great. I read your book. Um, it was a joyfully easy read and it was, it, It came perfect uh, at the nick of time because, I mean, I have a bunch of books I'm currently reading. I got a little problem and, uh, you know, I I like to read and and yet I can't hammer through these books like I used to because I got so much things going on in my life. This book was actually what I needed to read. And let me tell you why. And then then you can um, get into it with me here. So. It's a short read. It's precise, it's actionable. Um, all these books I've read, there's great books out there, great books about warriorship, but they could be involved, and sometimes you get into the munia of it and you f- kind of lose your bearings on what what it means. It's not it's not like you could just flip a switch and all of a sudden become a warrior, right. You know, and I think this this book was like a reset for me after all the other stuff I read. I said, oh, OK, this is clean and cut
1: and dry. W- was that your intention? It, well, you, you know, it, uh, it was the intention when I was, you know, when I had the first draft written. Um, to, to, to encapsulate the book, a warrior is, is a person who engages in selfless service. With honor, and conducts him self herself uh, uh, during that selfless service to others with honor, and when I was writing the book, I mean we can talk about. It. I mean there's a war in Ukraine going on. There is a war in Israel going on. Uh, if cooler heads don't prevail, it could, that could kick off into a wider regional war, and and who knows what will happen, because events will control things. And I'm talking about that because I started to go down a path of, of discussing warrior ethics. And like most people are brought up in the United States, still a uh, predominantly Christian country, that one of the Ten Commandments says, thou shalt not kill, and it's wrong to kill. Well, how do you square that if you're a soldier, you're sent to war and your job is to put rounds on target, put munitions on target, put bombs on target, that sort of thing. And you're killing people. How does that square with our social mores and things like that? And that's a tough topic. And we could talk about that all week. Yeah. And so I started to go down this rabbit hole. Uh, of talking about these ethics. And I had to pull myself back from that because that's a book in itself. Mm. And and so I kind of recalibrated and 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 put it in my mind that who I was writing the book for. Now you said for you, uh, I think you used the term recalibrate.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: What, what's interesting about that is as I was writing it, it was a recalibration for me. So I was thinking about what I want to pass on to younger people. Yes. Um, so I was thinking about the 15 to 20 year old who's thinking about primarily joining the military, but also um, uh, emergency services. You're a uh, a fire captain, um, police officers, uh, uh, fire service Uh, officers and ems personnel they go to where the danger is they don't run away from it and it takes a person who's willing to serve other people selflessly because you put yourself in danger And, and and then along with that service have to conduct oneself with with honor and I was trying to see, how would I pass that on to that 15 and 20-year-old thinking about doing those jobs? Also, how would I pass it on to the 18 to 25-year-old who is either just gone in the military or is training uh, to to be a first responder of some kind, police, fire, EMS, um, and especially those young leaders in those fields, and look I'm bi- and I say it in the book I'm biased towards the military warrior but one doesn't have to be in the military or still in the military to to be or still be a warrior and I was thinking about the young leaders the corporals the sergeants the lieutenants it's in the in the military context about what they would most benefit from learning what I can pass down to them based on my education training and experience And also for people in my age group, Uh, I mean, the new commandant of the Marine Corps, uh, Eric Smith, he and I went to college together. We even had one or two classes together. I mean, we weren't friends or anything, but, but um, you know, I, I can, I can, in my mind's eye kind of remember him in one class and, and about, I don't know, 1995 ish or so 1994, we had a, interaction when he was the officer recruiter in Austin, when I uh, had left my previous job and going back to graduate law school. And uh, we had some commonalities in the core. And I was thinking for my age group, you know, late 50s into the early 60s, what would I need to have as a reset, a recalibration, a reminder of why we became those people in the first place. So with those three things in mind, um, I I fashioned the book to speak to that. And given that you're talking about three different groups, two kind of close, but certainly the third one way off age-wise and experience-wise, if nothing else, I didn't want to belabor points. There is a book on warriorship out there. I've not read it. I don't own a copy of it and I'm not knocking it because it, you know, it, it's, I'm sure it's excellent information, but it it's kind of um, how to be a warrior kind of book. It's about 450 pages long. And so I will, I knew I wanted to avoid that because the message if you have a central message it's going to get lost in all those pages yeah and i wanted to stick to what you know what it means to be a warrior and a pathway to be a warrior or be a better warrior and do so in way in a way that speaks to a, a wide variety of people a broad audience and doesn't sit in belabor points and take people down these rabbit holes, and, and so that's 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 really my my whole point of view uh, in writing this book, and how the book came out. You know, in the end, as being, you know, as as I state in the preface, it's uh, it's concisely written in plain, simple language, so that it can be as useful as possible to the most people.
0: Yeah, that's um I mean I hear what you're saying and, and it's funny and there's like some overlap of thought as I read it and my observations was that um for me it was a a recalibration. You you distilled everything that I read down from other books and it was sort of like a refresher. I could just kind of jump into it real quick and and go, Oh yeah, okay, all right, this is good. And there was there was some new stuff in there for me too. I guess just the way you wrote it, you know, from your perspective, right? That always helps too. Uh, then the other obs- observation was, this is something that a young person could read. Um, I was thinking actually like maybe one day my daughter will read this or I could read it with her. Um, and then of course, um, the the fact that it's a, a quick read that you can uh, start taking action with things right away. And so uh, the it's, I like it when I, I find that I'm sort of thinking uh, on par with with the author. You made that pretty evident. And and it's not an easy thing. You know, let's remind the audience here, it's not an easy thing to just um make something simple. Uh, it, because like you indicated it, 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 there's books out there that are 450 pages long this topic can get quite complicated and it could go in many different directions and it takes uh, a real keen insight to, to really know you have to know the subject well, to be able to deliver it short and concisely in, in a language that everybody can understand. Uh, Some people would say that, you know, that's mastery. So um, that's, that's, you know that that does line up with the definition so kudos to you on that so well, thank you. you you're welcome uh and and you mentioned uh, honor right and so why is honor
1: the highest virtue of warriorship that's a great question and that the, the answer is a, is something else that can be you know extremely complex if one delves into it and then again, goes down the path of you know warrior ethics and things like that. The honor comes in in which your selfless service is for others, and it that service is devoid of the desire for personal gain. And, and now that doesn't mean, say, somebody you know. Uh, I, a firefighter working for a a city or a county gets a paycheck. That's not what I'm talking about is a paycheck. The firefighter is going to run into that burning building to save people, whether they're making, you know, X number of thousands a year, or even, you know, way more than that in some other county or city somewhere. That's not irrelevant. Like, well, they only pay me this much. I'm not running into that burning building. That's not part of the calculus. The calculus is, there's somebody in danger, and I'm going to go save them because this is who I am. Not just what I do, but who I am. And, and it's that who I am and how I then conduct myself, not just in the performance of my duties, but I'm on the job, but conduct myself generally. The warrior ha- has to not only be willing to selflessly serve put themselves in some kind of danger or in a position where they are um, suffering a deficit somewhere. You know, i make the point in the book about somebody who, who may have been able to get a, you know, a high, has a PhD in chemistry, had a job officer, uh, officer, okay, pardon me, job offer from a, um, uh, you know, a big chemical firm for a big salary, but decides to go to work in a lab uh, to search for a cure for cancer and and is not getting paid very much in that job. So there's an economic deficit there that they're willing to take on to do something for the greater good of humanity. And some people would call such researchers cancer warriors. You know, and I do, you know, that's an example that's, that's in the book. But if somebody has... If somebody's a warrior and selfishly serves other we also have to look at it from the standpoint that that warrior holds themselves to be above not in a sense of superiority but above those people who won't run to the sound of gunfire won't run into burning buildings and at the same time not have contempt for those people who won't run to gunfire and won't run into burning, burning buildings, but understand that they themselves have taken this on and they're gonna do that with honor. You know, uh, it, it, it's one of these concepts that is so bound up in one's personal identity that it's difficult for me to explain and, and, and make it as plain as I discussed it in the book. Um, It's bound up inside who we are, and I guess one good way to put it is, say, let's take a police officer, for example. So you can be a law enforcer, but breaking the law to enforce the law is wrong, and to do that is dishonorable. So we put it in a military context. You know, the United States military goes out of its way. Far beyond what anybody out there, friend or foe, or you know, some somebody walking around a college campus could even fathom or believe, the United States government tries so hard in military operations to not harm civilians. So if I'm a military officer and I'm on, I need to put munitions on target, and I know that there's civilians, uh, you know, in that on that target along with the bad guys. And I say, well, screw it. To hell with them. We're going to blow that building up. That's not honorable. Right. It's not honorable at all. Because it violates not only the, 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 the mores of your society, but frankly, it'll violate you know the rules of engagement and the laws of war, which there are laws of war. And, and those are promulgated down to the operations side of the House and the military through the rules of engagement. So you have to stay within those rules of engagement to do otherwise is is dishonorable. Now I do mention that that based on you know changed circumstances, uh, uh, unknown uh, circumstance that wasn't known before or faced with something that you didn't know you're going to be faced with, you can deviate from those rules as long as you can justify that deviation and the deviation be deemed by the people above you. in a case of law enforcement, it would be you know, the courts. Or in the military, it would be your chain of command, um, as long as it's deemed justifiable. But um, so, so it's not so hard and fast that you, you, you can't deviate. But the deviation has to be justifiable. And to just basically, I guess I could sum it up since I'm bloviating now on on your podcast, is that a warrior can't be the person who says. Can I, is there cuss words on your podcast, Brad? Sure. Yeah. Okay. A warrior is not a person who just says, ah, fuck it. <laughs> to hell with it. And then yeah. does something they're not supposed to do. The warrior has the honor to self, the honor from within that, to, to know that's not the right way to go. I mean, I'm faced with a very tough situation and I could say to hell with it, but I, I, I'm, I'm, I don't have, what I need to justify a deviation from from my instructions, and again, this goes back to rules of engagement. But I'm not going to to just ignore the rules for expediency at the moment. But this gets kind of tough because when you're faced with you know bombs going off, artillery fired at you, rockets, mortars, and rifle machine gun fire, you know your decision making is. It can't you know it kind of sometimes can divert to self-preservation the honorable the, the 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 warrior's honor has to be such that it prevents the warrior from defaulting to just that self-preservation because that's not what the warrior is for the warrior exists to serve and i think that the the quote uh that i have in the book from sitting bull um is very apt it kind of points uh, the 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 compass, um, you know, uh, heading, uh, where the book's going, uh, the warrior's so much more than just fighting. And, and, and if the warrior, if the warrior doesn't have, you know, honor and, and just is one of these people, you know, to hell with it, I don't care. Um, then that person's not serving selflessly. It, it's kind of like a, uh, it's it's uh, it's two pillars that hold the uh, the structure up. Is that selfless service without honor eventually simply becomes self-serving and not selfless? So those two things go together. I don't know if I've answered your question. Yeah, you know, it, adequately. It's so much easier to be writing it and thinking about yeah. it and going back and changing it. You know, back and forth, back and forth, than well, trying to explain that concept live. Yeah,
0: the- See, that's why these conversations are so necessary, because uh, it just hearing you speak just now got my mind spinning a little bit. And if if I could add to, to what you're saying, um, first of all, the honor part of it, the honor to who? Like sometimes when we talk about honor, we picture an audience there uh, and you're being honorable in front of an audience and the audience is, oh, he's so honorable. And but some of these positions you're talking about it's just sometimes you by yourself behind a rock taking gunfire or pinned down in a stairwell with heavy smoke over your head and the honor that you're talking about is the ont- the honor to you in other words it's it's your own check to yourself like i am not going to be dishonorable to my own standards my own convictions I know what I'm doing here and this is tough, but I'm going to be honorable because maybe you could get away with it because nobody else is really watching you right now. They're all scattering like bugs, right? And you're holding your ground because you feel a sense of honor to yourself. Does that kind of
1: make a little sense there? No, it makes perfect sense because that's where honor really has to come from. It has to come from within. It can't be imposed from outside now um, you know in the Marine Corps uh, there was often somebody would would uh, and I'm not talking about a combat environment because I was not in the Marine Corps and deployed to a combat zone at all. I've served in you know two different branches but uh, it was you know doing something that was uh, considered wrong uh, under the standards of uh, you know military or martial honor was the simple admonition is Marines don't do that. And, and and you know one marine to another, marines don't do that, and and that's that's being enforced gently from outside, but you're expected if you're a warrior to have that honor within. I mean, if we go back to um, you know you're a firefighter, so this would speak dear and dear to you, but there's not one report. Not one, not one, not one report of a New York City firefighter running away, you know, at, when that building was rumbling and they're up there on the, you know, whatever floor they managed to get up to. Um, they never, they you know, they continued to go try to save people, yeah. you know, knowing what kind of danger they were in. They may not have predicted the buildings were going to collapse like they did because that's never happened before, uh, ever, no. uh, before that attack. But they didn't hesitate, and there's not one report of any single firefighter saying, uh, you know, I'm not going to do that, or I'm going to get out of here, or anything. It's exactly the opposite. You know, all the recordings of the radio traffic, you know, everything.
0: Yeah, uh, well, don't forget, that, there was uh, firefighters who were off-duty who threw their gear into their cars and drove— in uh one of them there's a a holland tunnel run now because he ran through he couldn't drive through the holland tunnel so he ran through in gear to go and he died over there uh yeah i mean unbelievable it's it's unbelievable the uh to, to want to be with your brothers in honor
1: yeah and that i think that is a good you know one of the best examples of selfless service with honor you know another thing i've never been a firefighter But let's say you and another firefighter are trapped in that uh, in that stairwell and he's up on the landing just above you. You know, you've had some some collapse from the overhead down on. And it's like, this is really bad. This is really bad. This is really bad. So, you know, F it. I'm out of here. You're on your own. Well, that's that's the height of dishonor. That's the height of dishonor. That's not honorable in any way, shape or form. And the warrior has to have that honor within that will prevent him or her from going to that, that, uh, buddy, you know, battle buddy, or as we might say in the military and, and try to, and and try to extricate that person who may be lying prostate and not moving. Um, he just can't say, well, screw He's obviously dead. I'm out of here. You go try to save. that's, that's honor. And it really, it comes from within it can be, It can be then enforced from without if you're in an organization that values honor, but if it doesn't come from within in the first place, no amount of discipline or enforcement is going to make it happen. It's got to come from within. And people who want to be warriors or fashion themselves to be warriors have to have an understanding that it's not just about selfless service. It's about doing so in a manner in which the people who rely on you can rely on you and that you will do the right thing, even when no one else is looking, you know, and that has to come from within because not everybody, there are people who will give that lip service, yeah. but they won't actually practice it. And it's got to come from within and it's got to be doing the right thing when nobody's looking, which is a you know common phrase out there, but you you can't be a real warrior and, uh, and do the wrong thing. When nobody's looking and portray yourself to even yourself, but portray yourself to others as you
0: you do that. Huh? What are you then if you do do that? Are you a villain or are you uh, just a scoundrel? What's a good word?
1: (laughs) Well, the word that immediately comes to mind um, is a coward. Yeah. Okay. that's the word that comes to mind. I don't think there's any other way to uh, to put it. A yeah. moral coward and a physical coward. And we know moral coward is, you know, a lot of people are physically brave, but not morally brave. And moral yeah. bravery is harder. But I would say that person's a coward. I think that word sums it up.
0: Yeah. Now, it's interesting. You you said uh, a few moments ago um, earlier in this that a warrior doesn't hold contempt for people who, who don't follow this path. And that makes me think so this is a person who has a clear outlook on the way our society works. They understand that everybody has a different role to fill. And there's certain people that are just not going to go to that extent. Uh, They might be hard workers. They might be very good people, very supportive of their society, but they're just not willing to go to become the tip of the spear, if you will. And then that That sort of tells me that um, the warrior is already a person who is mission-minded. They understand that they have a role, and they're going to fill that role. It seems like it's almost like maybe even from a very young age. They can't quite wrap their brains around it yet because they haven't figured out how the whole world works yet. But they're on track where they're always putting themselves in between others – and danger or always trying to step up and help and and be something of like almost like a guardian angel to to people and they just do it because they feel like it's their natural way of just being part of society does that make sense yeah it makes
1: perfect sense you know i mean it takes all kinds to make the world go around and not everybody's going to uh to be, you know, uh, be a warrior. That doesn't mean they're bad people. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with them. I mean, it doesn't. Uh, that's what a warrior takes up the mantle of warriorship. It's not. I mean, you could. It can be thrust upon you. I mean, there could be World War Three, and they reinitiate the draft, and you know, all these people get drafted, and they don't want to be there. Uh, but are they going to do what they're supposed to do when they're there? Yeah. And people will, you know. Rise to the occasion. Uh, I mean, in fact, I have a lot of criticism of modern American society, lots and lots and lots. And you know, I'm getting to that age where I'm the guy yelling at the ten o'clock news. You know, <laughs> but uh, the um, just as long as um, it doesn't yell back at you, you're all right. That's right. right. <laughs> and, and, and so, you know. And everyone, you know, high school friends, we all kind of have the same point of view, even if we're politically not not in a line of, on everything. I think it's a function of age and experience. But, you know, the um, the experience of World War II, Korea, Vietnam, uh, where we had massive numbers of draftees, most of them by far the ma- the, the vast majority, I mean, by far um did what they were supposed to do they didn't you know they 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 answered the call and have you ever listened to any of the focus on valor episodes on the dirt wash podcast
0: i think so I, i'm sorry if i i don't re- exactly remember uh all the titles and everything but what what are those ones about well they're one minute
1: short clips oh no no okay well they're uh it's introduced by uh, John David Wells. He's a nationally syndicated radio talk show host. They're narrated by uh, Colonel Jay Seffrin, uh, a friend of mine. And he talks about Medal of Honor winners, and they're just one-minute short uh, little episodes called "Focus on Valor." And and as Jay says in the you know ending of these presentations. Uh, And I can't quote him, but it's essentially that, you know, I'm going to paraphrase broadly, is that you don't know if you have valor until you're faced with a situation to be, you know, valorous. Um, Those are the people who rose to the occasion. Um, And I, I think that, you know, history shows that most people, not will necessarily but can rise to the occasion and so you know everybody is not a warrior at all times but sometimes people become warriors out of necessity and and and, you know I I keep thinking in my head I guess I'll say it because it keeps reverberating in my head but we see it on the news all the time you know um, a mall a shelf will be toppled over boom hit the ground what happens to the people in the mall what do they do <laughs> they all think
0: it's gunfire and they duck and run
1: but yeah they duck and run you know yeah. um and you're thinking you know really um and there's also a herd mentality you see other people running yeah. and and then it's kind of like oh better get out of here that doesn't mean that those are that You know, they're bad people because they're not going to the sound to investigate and then and then put a put a stop to whatever's happening if there's something to be stopped. Um, But those very same people running out of that mall in the right situation can rise to the occasion and uh, and be uh, valorous. Okay. yes, they're just programmed a little differently.
0: They're, That's they're, right. they're, they're lost in their little world. They're not thinking like they're walking in a dangerous world. Everything's soft and comfortable and safe. And they're, they're alarmed by things easily. Whereas maybe somebody else who, a, a guy who's in the military and he's home on leave, you know, he hears bangs all the time where he's he's at, where he's working. He's not going to be startled because he's already in that mode, so to speak, where he's ready to go into action.
1: Well, you know, think about that scene in your mind, you know, something, there's a bang, doesn't have to stop gunfire, but people think it is. All these people are running. What if there was an off-duty police officer in uniform working an off-duty job, and that guy's running out with everyone also? With his shoes flying off. (laughs) Yeah. What would people think about that police officer well it wouldn't be very good thoughts because the expectation is going to be your job is to run to the sound yeah and investigate um by the way that's to my knowledge that my little scenario there has never actually happened but but that would be an example of what i would consider for somebody who puts on the shield and and wears the uniform to serve others and put themselves in danger in doing so that would be um, a dishonorable act is to run away with everybody else instead of going the other way. So, but that, again, that has to come from within. It's not just because somebody, anybody can put a uniform on and, and it doesn't make them, you know, it doesn't make them um, put themselves in any kind of danger or deficit of some kind. They have to want to do that. And they have to be willing to do it. And when the time comes, they have to do it.
0: Now, the um part of the book that i remember um i wanted to talk to have you you know share a little bit about there's two chapters uh first it's um it's inner battle and then it's outer battle and um that that was interesting because it it you know i don't know how many people walk around and they they get lost in their heads sometimes like they you know you, the perception that people have of you is one thing. And then what you got going on in your head is another thing. There's times when people come up to you and be like, Oh my God, are you okay? Are you doing? And you're fine. Right. You're fine. You're in, you're in something you're involved, but you're where you're a warrior and you're in there and you're taking care of it. But everybody just sees, they think you can't handle it. And then it's sometimes it's the other way around. And sometimes I think a warrior might be, um, going crazy on the inside and everybody but he he or she is so put together their outer seems pretty cool and 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 people are like yeah he's he's fine she's fine so i'm glad you put that in there um can you expand on those two chapters a little bit
1: yeah what really caused me to write those was the rate of veteran suicides um uh one of the people who who read the uh, one of the one of the drafts of the book and gave me a little feedback. is a retired Marine gunnery sergeant. Now, uh, his father was a career Army soldier, retired out of the Army. He's got um, he had three siblings, uh, two brothers and a sister, all of whom served in the military. He himself uh, retired out of the Marine Corps, and one of his brothers um, um, committed suicide. And he told me. When I first started the podcast, is you needed you need to do an episode on veteran suicide, and, and it's always been in the back of my head. Now I want I want I want to state publicly, um, uh, given the opportunity that I'm talking about this, the veteran suicide. There, there's nothing inherently wrong with military veterans that cause them to commit suicide. There is a suicide epidemic in the United States yeah. of America. The rate of veteran suicide is higher than the average rate across the American population, but it's not much higher than the average rate. It gets lots and lots of attention. Uh, I'm going to give you an example. Um, we something there's about 38,000 Americans each year who are killed by gunshot. And whenever that's brought up, it's, it's featured as 38,000 Americans die from gun violence every year. Well, what, that number includes all, all deaths by gunfire, including somebody accidentally shooting somebody or accidentally shooting themselves and everything in between. But 60%, almost two-thirds of death by gunshot are suicides. There's a, a reason I bring that up is there's a suicide epidemic in this country. We don't provide health care very well in this country, generally speaking, and we certainly don't provide mental health care uh very well in this country. And so with the idea about talking about veteran suicide, we've all known somebody. If you get to a certain age, you're gonna know somebody or of somebody who committed suicide. It's like, why the heck did they do that? Mm. Because everything seemed like it was going great. That person had everything. Why why did they do it? Because there's something going on on the inside. And we often, and this goes back to being a warrior. When when I was a, a little kid, it was very common that, you know, coaches and things, you'd get you know you'd get hurt at practice or something like that and it was the old rub some dirt in it and um one of my friends when he went to boot camp marine corps boot camp um he had just two weeks earlier gotten out of a cast from from breaking his leg he wasn't physically up to up to snuff he went and he you know sucked it up and survived but he was he was he was saying one of the drill instructors, he was having trouble um, uh, doing uh, a burpee. The Marine Corps is called a bend and thrust, which is the favored punishment exercise, at least when when I was uh, going through boot camp 42 years ago. Um, and the drill instructor said, uh, and I won't say my friend's name, but he said, um, what's the matter? Do you need, you know, you need some vagicil? you know? There's this um, uh, mentality and you get it in football a lot about the difference between playing injured and playing hurt. We don't have to go down that definition rabbit hole either. But in the warrior communities, and this is true, I haven't really, you know, I, I'm also a retired law enforcement officer. So I, I'm more attuned to what's happening in law enforcement than, say, in firefighting and in EMS and things like that. But uh, police suicides are very high. Yeah. Um, and fire um, is too. OK, so fire is too. In fact, I didn't know this until I was on my city city council. But but in the uh, dispatcher ranks, um, oh. there's a high suicide rate. And and you can think of they're sitting in a room listening yep. to people call in when they're having the worst day of their lives. And this is just over and over and nonstop, uh, especially in a busy, a busy area. And, and so a lot of things go on inside. And I think just to wrap up the inner battle uh, in discussing it, it's it. we often, especially people who've been in dangerous situations, is thinking they could have saved the day when they couldn't um, You know, there's a quote in the book, in war, you can do everything right and still die. In any given situation, Uh, Any given event or encounter, you can do everything right. And everything still goes badly. You know, everything just falls apart. And people who selflessly serve others, I think more acutely than other people. And I could be wrong about that, but that's my perspective. Really take um, take it to heart internally that they didn't do enough. And then this starts to gnaw at them and gnaw at them. And this is just one example. I mean, everybody has problems in life. There's not a single person uh, who, who doesn't have problems, aren't dealing with issues, and don't tell anybody about them. And everything from the outside looks great. But everybody's got something going on, financial trouble. Uh, they have a medical diagnosis that is an unhappy one. They haven't told you. I mean, whatever it is. Uh, kid just totaled their second car in a month. You know, it's, everybody's got something that that's going on at any given time. We tend not to ask to talk about it. Number one. And when it really gets bad, tend not, tend not to ask about, you know, anybody for help. And there's nothing in. Again, my, as I, my training, my education, my experience and my research for this book. I mean, it's got a two page plus page bibliography. Is a warrior bound to not ask for help, and that that extreme reluctance to, to ask for help is something that you know is really the point of that chapter. Is that it's okay, not only to ask for help, but if you're a warrior, it's your duty to your fellow warriors when you're asked for help to help them. Doesn't mean you have to have all the answers, but Help them. Be the person that sits and talks to them, you know, uh, what, what, whatever you can do at, at the time, but be that person to help and try to encourage that. And when I talked about the a- outer battle is, again, you know, you know, we're, my wife was uh, in a collision last year. So we're suing the other driver, you know, their insurance company. And it was the other driver's fault. No question, you know, gave us the uh, big middle finger as insurance companies often tend to do. And so we're suing, right? So that's something that's on the outside. I mean, I just I just made that public, right? Not something we go around telling people, but that's part of the outer battle. You know, when my kid totaled her car, you know, part of the outer battle. And everybody has an outer battle at any given time, as well as an inner battle or two or three or four in each category. But warriors often use the outer battle to mask the inner battle. You know, what's really gnawing at them isn't this thing that happened. Oh, my pickup truck got hit in the parking lot. No, I'm just, you know, there's something else. Mm. And and so I thought it was necessary to speak to those things. And really the bottom line is, if you're a warrior, it's okay to ask for help. And if you're a warrior being asked for help, it's not just okay. It's, it's really mandatory for you to, um, to give that help. And at least that's the way I looked at it. And I thought it was worth talking about because there's this idea that is particular to men. um, I think that some women in some walks of life have this also, especially if they're in a dominantly male profession. uh, They're even more Even less willing to show anything that can be interpreted as weakness, but men keep things inside, and uh, and and it just it just can drive people to a breaking point, and it needed to be talked about. Um, You know, I met a guy a long time ago was in Iraq, and you know, there's machine gun fire from, and I put this in the book. You know, upper left window of a building. and hit another uh, Marine and it's like, if I had only put more rifle fire on that top left corner, then wouldn't have been, you know, that machine gun gunner would have been having his head down. It wouldn't have happened. My buddy wouldn't have been shot. Yeah, but it's not like that was the only thing going on. You were in a firefight for crying out loud. You did what you had to do based on what, you know, the situation was pre- pre- presenting to you were you cowering at the time no what were you doing well i was shooting over there well then it just happens those things happen uh you know it's events happen that we have no control over but people get these things in their head and they just fester and fester and fester and then going back to what we talked earlier you know about the um you know this prohibition in, in society about about killing another human being well I don't think, I don't think, an honest, reasonable person can say there's never a reason that somebody should be killed. You know, I mean, some a, this is going to be Halloween. We're recording this in the middle of October. It can be Halloween pretty soon. How many horror movies are going to be on television on the streaming services? You know, a couple in the theaters. Well, just you know, the proverbial old style horror movie you got jason with the knife or you know somebody and and so you know about to stab and so there's somebody with the uh, sawed off shotgun but instead of shooting the stabber you know they, eh, they you know they don't and they get st- i mean there's just like you could have used deadly force right then there's no question it was a deadly force situation um and i know it's a fiction you know i'm talking about horror movies just kind of you know, a little, little levity of what's coming up in the, in the Halloween season. But, you know, there is something in our society. It's in the English common law. And most, most societies around the world recognize it. It's called justifiable homicide. You know, um, murder's never justified because there's no such thing as justifiable murder. But there is justifiable homicide. And, and, and then when we talk about going to war, when war happens, people are going to die. The enemy's going to die. Friendlies are going to die. Innocent civilians caught in the crossfire uh, are going to die. People are going to die. That is a simple fact. There is no way to sanitize it. There, you can have all the precision munitions that you want. They don't always work all the time. Targeting can be based on bad information. You know, it, it just, it just, I mean, you can go down the list. It just, it's just what happens in war throughout human history. Um, you know innocent people are going to be hurt they're going to be killed and 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 the warrior being cast in the role of being the protector the defender and sometimes the destroyer can't let it get in their head that they did something wrong and this goes back to honor though, because if you stay within the rules of engagement in the military context. If you stay within the deadly force policy in the law enforcement context, you know if you stay within the bounds of the Constitution where that applies, it certainly applies in law enforcement. Um, if you stay within the bounds of the laws of warfare uh, and all the different treaties that comprise the laws of warfare um, and you don't violate those and you take another human life or maybe a lot of human lives That's not dishonorable and can't let that get in your head and sit and say, oh, my gosh, you know, all these people or that person or it's it's not as long as it was a justifiable act. And it was done not in violation of any of the overarching rules that apply to you conducting that action, then don't let it sit in your head and fester and fester. And if it does ask for help. So if you conducted yourself, you know, and I guess another point is conducted, if you conduct yourself honorably, there's no reason it should be sitting in your head festering. But if it does ask for help, don't use the outer battle. You know, Oh, my girlfriend left me. Oh, my car got, got hit. Oh, you know, my airline trip got canceled to mask what's going on in your head. Recognize it, ask for help and, and 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 go get that help. it's not a weakness at all. And again, if it's and this goes back to probably my earlier bloviation about honor, but if you conduct yourself within the rules that are presented to you for your the action that it is your duty duty to take or actions it is your duty to take and you ensure you follow those. You can disagree with them but that's what's presented to you on your level okay so unless you're you know secretary of defense or the president uh, you know or a theater commander approving the rules of engagement you may disagree with them uh, think they go too far or they're too restrictive or whatever but if your job means you follow these rules you do so intentionally and do so with honor then you're okay But it does get in people's heads and and that's one aspect and of course the other aspect is is i i I wasn't there i wasn't good enough i should have done more it would have changed the outcome and i i think that what history teaches anyway is that uh maybe but but probably not i mean really probably not shooting more rounds up in that upper left-hand corner of building to prevent that machine gunner from from firing uh at, at at your position well if you weren't, again, I go back to the same example, if you weren't cowering, uh, if you were doing your job, uh, that, that's just one of those things that happen. Don't let it destroy you from the inside. And if, it, if, if it's starting to ask for help, it's not a weakness. It's not a weakness at all. And then if you're a warrior and you're asked for help, and this goes to leadership, really. You know, if you're a corporal or a sergeant or, you know, if you're a platoon sergeant, or a company first sergeant, and somebody comes to you, you know, or you know, you're 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 a battalion chief in the fire service, and one of your guys comes to you, you say, a captain goes to the battalion chief, for example, and say, hey, you know, I got something's going on, I need I need help. Um, it's incumbent upon those leaders to not say rub some dirt in, and, and and that's another point of those two chapters in the book is to is a recalibration. For those in leadership roles is to understand not only does do those things uh, affect them personally, but in their leadership roles, they have a responsibility of the people that they lead to uh, not be the guy. Um, it's usually a guy, almost always a guy, it can yeah. be a gal, but rare. Always a guy's like, what, uh, I need to go buy you a carton load of vagicil. What's your problem? Hey, rub some dirt in it. You know, Get the fuck out of here with that. You know, that's and if you're a leader, that, that's wrong. That's that's wrong. And then as far as honor and leadership, to me, that's dishonorable.
0: Yeah, that, I I agree with you. That's um, uh, probably the worst thing you could do to somebody at that point, because they had to summon up a lot of courage to even come up and bring it up to you to begin with, especially like you said, you're no. going you're going to a superior where you work for that guy basically and you're you're trying to make him look good right that's the, normally again the fire service the firefighters try to make the captain look good the captain tries to make the battalion chief look good so on and so forth yeah it's like oh okay i came to you uh to to get this off my chest and you just told me to go buy some vagisil and gave me a coupon while you were at it and and, yeah. you know, that's the last time I'm ever going to do anything for you. And you know what? Uh, now this now your situation's going to get worse. Now, in your book, you mentioned um, and I think this this is helpful in this. Um th- it, Like how there's constantly things are changing around you, but yeah. there's things that um don't change. There's constant there, like a constant thing that doesn't change. I'm, I'm not saying it. 100% how you said it um but that that would be the way you that's your grounding right like you have to remember these things don't change and if things are changing around you and you're unstable here's the things that don't change to to fall back on right
1: yeah i think i was i had my daughters in mind cuz they're 18 and 20 and off in college i think when i was writing that portion because you know, I tell my 20-year-old, life's harder at 40 than 20. Of course, she doesn't believe me. She thinks I'm full of it like you would expect. But life's harder at 40 than it's 20. And what doesn't change is that there's always another problem to deal with that, that comes up in life. There's always another one. And sometimes there's multiple problems that come on at exactly the same time, you know. And, and that doesn't change. But those problems are different. Um, you know, maybe occasionally they're the same problems, but, you know, the problems change, but you always get the problems. You know, everybody's going to die and the government wants its taxes paid. You know, those two things are, are, are um, you know, sureties. That's the laws, like the laws of physics. Only thing certain is death and taxes, but there's also something certain, and that's everybody's going to be faced with problems in life that they have to deal with. And those problems are ever changing. Our society's changed quite a bit over the last twenty years. I can remember when nine eleven happened. You know, I was stationed in Los Angeles, and I remember I was getting ready to go to work when the first airplane uh, impacted the tower, and it was coming over. Um, you know, I was listening to talk radio, a news station, in the morning, and uh, everybody thought it was a light airplane like some stupid private pilot out there over the city and runs into a building. And it just got worse from there. And uh, then we were, boom. I mean, now we were working, you know, many hours a day uh, for months thereafter on this whole counter-terrorism thing that uh, had occurred. And the country, you know, came together in a way that, Probably hadn't done since uh, Pearl Harbor. And we see a country, and I'm not, I'm not trying to go down the political arena. I'm just saying the society's changed, so we're so fractured now. So if you look back 22 years, just the difference, and then how things have changed over that time, um, and how people, especially younger people, perceive, perceive society and perceive things and how, how they do things. And as you get older, you're like, what the hell? you know, but everything's changing around you. And, and you got to realize that it's going to, you know, what, what's, what are things going to be like 20 years from now? Don't, nothing's going to stay the same. It has to be understood. Yet. What, what will always stay the same is that the changes will always happen. You know Mm -hmm. Um, the 1960s weren't the fifties, the seventies weren't the sixties, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and so things always change and we take comfort in, I mean, me, especially my, my wife will tell you I'm about as wedded to routine as anybody certainly that she's ever met, you know, uh, something disturbs my routine and I, I don't like it. And, and she know, you know, she can tell and I can tell I don't like it. And I know why, because it disturbs my routine, but in, in the course of everybody's life, Things are going to change for them, uh, relationships, friendships. Always going to change. You're always going to have new problems face you, and that's what stays constant, is the constant change. And, and part of my thought process when I was putting that down on paper in this book right here, which is not usually displayed that way, uh, this is you know um, simply you know marketing um when i was writing it i was also thinking about my 20 year old you know life's harder at 40 than 20 well why you know she never asked me why because she doesn't care something to say i'm stupid but it's because you're going to have all of these challenges that are going to you're going to face you know every single day of your life and you are going to be new ones on different days and different ones and there's going to be they're going to pile on sometimes and we kind of we can get to where it's like you know it's it's just so overwhelming, and um, that never changes. That never changes. Even I get you know I'm you know I'm I'm a couple months from being sixty, you know, and, and I've had a fairly reasonably successful career on two different pathways. I'm a retired FBI agent, retired military officer. You know, got a wonderful family, great wife, you know. Um, uh, So, I mean, I. I, but sometimes it even gets, things get overwhelming to me, you know. Um, There's been moments, you know, this has happened, then that's happened. And this other thing happened. Oh, and that happened. And oh, this happened. And now you got to take care of that. And it's just like whiskey, tango, foxtrot. You know, when is it going to let up? But that's life and that never changes and it's the same for everybody and another reason i wrote that um is that we're consumed with and i'm, I'm recording this over an iphone you know I, there's everybody and they're not even just young people anymore their nose is stuck to that telephone
0: in screens we trust
1: time. yeah and and it's like you go to Instagram and look, man, I, I got an Instagram page because I have a podcast. Otherwise I wouldn't have, it. Um, I got a Facebook page only because, you know, I got a, a high school class page. I got a neighborhood page. You know, I'll follow the, you know, the city page, the city I live in, you know, I just get information, but I hate social media. I hate it. It's actually anti-social media. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I'm a Mostly passive user of Facebook and then Instagram simply because I have the podcast. But being an Instagram user, I get these feeds, right? And I look at a lot of martial arts uh, stuff, look at a lot of physical fitness stuff, look at a lot of military stuff, law enforcement stuff, uh, but the martial arts and fitness stuff. And what the algorithm feeds to me is, you know, stuff that where people are just, oh, they're so. My gosh, Fred, do you know how perfect they are and how perfect their lives are? Oh yeah. They're so perfect.
0: <laughs> the most They're perfect. So
1: perfect. You know? And um anybody can put something up in a picture or a short video, uh, and, and portray themselves as being wonderful. How many times have we seen it? Um and you know, I read the news every day quite a bit. Sometimes I read, you know. Uh, the British newspaper, some half of which are tabloids, but um, there's some influencer, an influencer. And it was, you know, and this person is putting photos of themselves all over uh, the social media platforms. They're on a private jet. They got a bottle of champagne. There's four, you know, scantily clad babes around them. And they're like 22 years old. Well, come to find out that the babes are rented, the airplanes are rented, it's not in the air, and he ain't flying anywhere, and, and and that 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 champagne, where the bottle he's holding up ain't what's in the glass, which is you know the you know um you know the the fake champagne because he can't afford you know it, it's all smoke and mirrors. Yeah. It, it's all smoke and mirrors. But there are people who look at that stuff and it's like, why can't I be? Why can't I be like that? And I get stuff um. You know, uh, you know somebody who's, uh, I mean, man, this is what this is what it looks like to be sixty, and they're bulging with muscles and you know, all this other stuff, and it's like you're also shooting yourself in the ass at least twice a week with with testosterone, and who the hell knows what else, you know? It just as a sign, I just want to say, and I watch your podcast. I don't have a mace. I do have a, a amongst my workout equipment. I do have a a club. 10 pound club with oh, my kettlebells. Nice. And then I got free weights and all this other stuff. But if I hear one more personal trainer, who's like 30 years old, you know, say that, you know, 60 is the new 40, you know, I, I just fly off because it ain't, because yeah. it ain't, um, you know, I worked out hard my whole life and, and uh, I'm feeling the same effects of aging as everybody else. I can't build them. I can't build those muscles that Mr. Personal trainer who has the secret over here, you know, he says that, you this is what 60 looks like. Yeah, it's if you're doing TRT, you know, uh, in an age management program, and I won't even bring up the Liver King, what a fraud that guy. Um, uh, just eat your raw meat, man, and you look like me. Bullshit. Um, and then I go back to the 30 something, it says 60 is the new 40, like that person would even know. But you're fed uh, a stream of nonsensical bullshit that is passed off as being reality that you should aspire to and that gets in people's psyche as well why can't i be that 22 year old sitting on the private jet with the bottle of champagne and the four mini skirted babes you know how many 22 year olds are out there they're either working or they're in college and they look at that and they think man you know yeah, my life sucks because i'm not that guy that guy's that's all that's all a bunch of crap it's not real
0: you know. Yeah. Um, and they won't take the job like working as a cash cashier somewhere because that seems beneath them. Because well, that twenty-two year old is on a like you said on an airplane with champagne, so that their whole sense of reality is warped by these these screens. And it's and it's um, it's actually like uh, every, the everybody's hypnotized and mesmerized, right? They're all yeah. They're all pulled into this. It's it's um, it's stunning to, if you actually take it back and uh, take a step back and look at it. And I think this is one of the things where warriorship be, can can save the day, because like you mentioned, how we're all fractionated now. Everybody's you know our our country is so divided. It's unbelievable. Um, it, it's being divided more and more as we go along. I mean, tomorrow yeah. it will be more divided than it is today. Uh, at least it seems that way. I hope not, but, um, by studying warriorship and, and then understanding that there's a physicality to that, that you have to, you have to move, you have to train, you have to train something, uh, firearms, um, martial arts, whatever. But this, this stuff will get you away from your phone and get you away from your screens, right? You're, you're now you're training. Um, you're studying the books, you're listening to these kind of podcasts, and then you start realizing that society needs, in my opinion, this is what's missing, is is like the warrior class. I feel like our military people are just um, a little picture or video on a screen. Um, oh, 2- 2,500 Marines are off to Israel. Okay. You know, we're not connecting the dots that those are actual human beings, 18, 19 years old. That have their yep. whole lives ahead of them and us at home, you know, we, we got our screens, our NFL, whatever else. And then we pass judgment. Oh, go drop bombs. Go do this, go do that. You do it. You do it. Get up and yeah. go, go get in your mission because it the, the screens are not the mission. The mission is out there and Whatever your vocation is can could be the thing. Even if you're a cashier, you could change people's lives. You know, people have to realize that they're interacting with people. They can help. And I think this is where warriorship can be a big thing. Now, you in your book, you didn't really correct me if I'm wrong, but you didn't really like touch upon spirituality or anything like that. But uh there's a thing called spiritual warfare, and and there's th- that whole mindset being a spiritual warrior, but I'm sure um for people who lack spirituality and maybe <clears throat> aren't prepared to go down that road um getting a book like yours is a good way to at least get your bearings on honor and virtue and the things that matter in life that's my opinion at least what do you think
1: no and and of course i think some of the best parts of the book are in the notes the and i don't mean the bibliographic notes i mean they're they're headed as you know uh, a note on uh like a note on self-sufficiency which you you alluded to earlier about learning martial arts and firearms and things like that um there's uh, you know two aspects of of that there is a note on uh, faith and i didn't you know in writing the book we go back to the idea of you know concisely written in plain language to make it available to a wide audience i thought if i talked about religion or spirituality or anything like that too much it would turn some people off yeah and they would lose the central message of the book they either put the book down or or they would it would it would just um completely blow blow out of the water you know what the book was trying to tell them uh, was trying to help them with but a warrior has to believe in something bigger than himself, um, bigger than herself. And and so, you know, there's a couple of pages about that in that note on faith. Um, it's extremely important. And I bring up a woman I used to know, uh, awesome lady, uh, somebody very admirable soldier, uh, Olympic level athlete, uh, I mean, Olympic trials level athlete, law enforcement officer, um, but she didn't believe in anything other than she would say, "I believe in myself." Well, you know, she had her share of uh, things that she didn't think that she was all that good at, and I've known, well, I, you know, I've known big, strong men, brave men who are scared to death to get up in front of a of an audience. And speak, and get really—I mean—shaking, nervous. If if um, you know, and it's not like briefing the squad, uh, you, you know, before going out on a mission, that kind of stuff. I mean, like talking to an audience of people from a you know platform, like giving a speech. Uh, they literally, you know, tremble at the thought because they know that. They, I mean, that frightens them. Everybody intrinsically knows. Um, that they are, unless they're a, a psychopath, and not all psychopaths, psychopathy is bad, but um, this, and even most of them probably um, know they're not good at something or that they can e- fail at something and they need to believe in something bigger than they are. Now, some people um, in Stoic philosophy is very very popular right now um that's a an example of a place to go um there's religion uh a a person can go to but somebody has to a warrior must believe that they're not only serving selflessly they're serving something bigger than themselves like you know community a nation whatever you know, try to find the cure for cancer. Um, but they got to believe that there's something even bigger than just simply humanity, you know? And another thing which I didn't discuss in that note in the book is that, you know, a lot of humanity is pretty awful. You know, a lot of humanity is pretty awful. Yeah. Um, so if you only believe in yourself as a human it's really hard after a while to really believe in serving that humanity it really is and uh you got to have uh you got to believe in something bigger than you are and uh and, and and follow that now some people would call you know some you know the universal consciousness um god um you know, or, or whatever, and I leave it to the reader to decide for themselves which path to take. Some people are adherents to the stoic, you know, uh, philosophy, and that's you know their their kind of compass rose, so to speak, is that. But but I, it's important that the warrior um, believe in something bigger than than they are, um, because it renders meaning to what the warrior does in a way that is so beyond satis- you know satisfaction so beyond any accolades one might receive um, and it's cuz everybody all humans require a sense of purpose it helps fuel that sense of purpose which is so vital and the sense of purpose i think is vital for overall mental health too you know what is your purpose and uh, then i you know although not in that note but it kind of folds into the whole idea of adopting a warrior code which is throughout throughout the book um is to be able to have your own you know set of values you adhere to that that you know points the warrior's way forward
0: yeah and that's that's uh exactly uh what your book does and it's very good as i said earlier and I encourage everybody to pick up the book. It's on sale. I picked mine up on Amazon. I got the hardcover, as you can see right here, just like uh, in the background behind the colonel. And um, it's a great read. It's a great read. And um, Colonel, you do talk about it also on your podcast a little bit, which I encourage people to go and follow. It's called The Dirt Wasp podcast can you explain that name
1: yeah that was uh the uh, the uh, nickname of a, a wing that i commanded and um it was the fourth uh, air wing and the texas guard uh, so it was one team one fight fourth air wing uh, the texas dirt wasps and um it was just you know a motivational thing that we developed it kind of i took it from the cb navy cb Mm
0: -hmm. logo
1: and uh just you know for motivation but uh very you know very proud of that uh wing uh it was um uh, the guard reorganized in 2019 so that wing disappeared from existence uh, on december 31 2019 and is now in the annals of history but it was uh it was that's what the word comes there excuse me the name comes from uh, dirt wasp podcast is that was the the nickname the the moto name motivational mm. name for the fourth air wing was uh, the texas dirt wasps so okay. that's where that name comes from
0: yeah i had a feeling when i was looking at your logo it had something to do with the military and everything like that i always when i was growing up as a kid i was really into military i actually was mentally going in that direction. I was thinking I was going to join when I got out of high school and I just wound up going on the path of first responder instead, but, um, so in- interested in, and I had books on world war II and the planes and all the, um, how they paint the, 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 f- the nose of the plane. And yeah. and I, I remember always loving that stuff and seeing like, you know, bees and wasps and dogs or wolves, whatever. And, you know, with muscles and things like that, it was all, it was always so interesting to me. So that's pretty cool. I just was wondering about that. So Colonel, um, thank you for, no, you're welcome. Thank you. Yeah. This, this was excellent. I enjoyed uh, It's It's great reading the book and then talking to the author. It's an honor. Um, Maybe one day we can meet and I get mine signed from you. Um, so, can you please tell everybody how to get in touch with you, your website, and everything? Any particular information you want to get out there before we hang it up?
1: Well, I I, I wasn't getting much traffic traffic on the dirt the podcast website, so I went ahead and and, and quit paying for it and took it down. Um, people can email me at the Colonel at the Dirt Wasp Podcast dot com the colonel at the dirt wasp podcast.com and uh they can send me uh an email anytime and i'll uh, and i'll correspond with them i i do want to say that um you know this is not just shameless marketing but mm-hmm. uh i would encourage people to get the book if they're interested in warriorship this is the hardcover there's paperback and uh, kindle versions that are available on Amazon. You can get the paperback on barnesandnoble.com and several other booksellers. It's an easy, quick read. It's designed to be that. And it's designed, again, it's a guide for your warrior path. And um, it's not the definitive guide. There's no such thing in my opinion, but it's a guide. And it's, I think that it uh, could be very helpful for people. And um, it can just be very helpful for people, even if the path of warriorship is not for them if they're interested in learning about warriorship just generally, but there's going to be tidbits in the book. I think they're helpful for everybody. And, you know, the point of the book is really to help somebody somewhere, somehow. Um, and and I, I hope I've hit the mark on that. And in reading the book, I mean, it's really, um, it's shorter than it would have been after the uh, book editor got through with it, but it's better. And, um, and, you know, read the whole book. I mean, when I was younger, I would read the chapters, chapter one through, you know, whenever the book ended, this book really you read it from the preface all the way through the uh, the end note, and uh, because there's tidbits of information on, on of some kind on every single page, which I think can help a wide variety of people out there. And uh, and and if you do read it, uh, don't hesitate to contact me. Uh, I'm always uh, you know I'm always up for for criticism um constructive criticism is always constructive you know uh emails that say you suck you don't know what you're talking about is not constructive you can send me those but they don't they don't help um i mean the book may have a second edition someday with uh with you know things that people are brought up to me that could be put in there or changed who knows but but feel free. And uh, for other podcasters out there who are going to be watching your podcast, Fred, I'd be happy and pleased uh, and honored to be on their podcast to talk about this book and the subject matter of the book anytime. And I would also, when those things happen, invite, invite those people to, you know, fairly and completely critique the book, good and bad, you know. Um, so anyhow, that's it. And I guess, Fred, the last thing is, you know, the world's in an incredible amount of turmoil right now. And events take on a life of their own. Um, Frederick the Great was quoted as saying, and he was the king of Prussia, uh, he he said that the older he got, the more he believed that, that his majesty Ping Chance ruled the world. Because events happen, and it's much like the inner and outer battles. Things will happen to us as individuals. What's well, going on in the world? It always does. But things, things—I uh, can't predict the future. But things are in a position to start spinning out of control, and um, people really ought to, uh, you know, stop thinking about just their little bitty world, especially encapsulated on their. Cell phone, yeah. and, and start paying attention to what's going on around the world. Because um, if it does spin out of control, it's going to affect all of us in some way, and probably, probably in no you know real good way. Um, so just keep that in mind. And uh, and in in a bit of shameless marketing, this may, this book may help if that spinning out of control happens. And I hope it doesn't. Um. But things are setting themselves up to where they could easily do that uh, in some kind of a a globalized situation. And that's otherwise, that's it for me, Fred. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, I hope I haven't just, you know, just spewed out words. I hope that uh, made some sense along the way and that your audience found it useful and helpful and entertaining. You
0: know. Yeah. Yeah. No, that it was, that was excellent in, in your message at the end here. Uh, yes, exactly. And, and this is what, what I was just trying to say. Um, oh, you spoke it like a true warrior, prepare for the worst and hope for the best. And that's what people should be doing right now. And, and your world can, even if the world decides to be all happy and full of lollipops and everybody hugging each other, your world can always be turned upside down. Like you said, a bad diagnosis from the doctor or anything. And then the little comfortable life that you're living right now is over. So how yeah. are you going to navigate that new world, that unpredictable world that you don't want you, you it's going to happen. Well, this is the tools. This book is a great way to start setting yourself up for that. And if more people read stuff like this and and maintain that kind of attitude, well, then there' will be less division amongst us because this this becomes our common ground. Does't matter what our voting tendencies are or race or what. Right right this this becomes the common ground it's the, this is a deep thing the the idea of warriorship goes deep into our conscious and our psyche, and this is where all the b s gets cut out and and we could be real people with each other. so that and what you said, combine together, everybody, please listen to that message if that's the one thing that you could take away from this, but um yeah do do buy the colonel's book while you're at it and, and make sure you, um, uh, you invest in it. It's worth every penny and your time. Colonel, thank you for coming on. Brent,
1: you're welcome. And, uh, and thank you. And thank you for, thank you for that fantastic endorsement just now.
0: Absolutely. And I look forward to, uh, listening to your podcast some more and anytime you want to come back on and talk about some other stuff, uh, whether it's this topic or martial arts or, uh, I would love to hear maybe some of your uh, stories from law enforcement or things like that. That would be excellent. So,
1: thank anytime, you. Anytime, man. You just have to, you just have to, you know, say you want to record an episode and, uh, okay. and um, as long as there's, you know, I'll make time in my schedule or, or, or move something around or, or maybe there's no conflict at all and I'll be on anytime. I really appreciate it. I've listened to your podcast. I'm a routine you, listener man. to that one. Um, um, so, you know any time and i uh I appreciate appreciate you having me on and uh and i appreciate what you do on your podcast
0: thank you and of course we appreciate the audience as always uh you know yes. thanks for listening thanks for tuning in and please share and uh look forward to talking to the audience again on both of our podcasts so thanks everybody Absolutely. thanks colonel take You're care welcome. everyone thank
1: you. okay